and welcome to yet another episode of The Days Are Screaming! Arrgh! Yeah, that's right. Arg indeed. Yes. A much more manly scream from the dice today. Oh. To homage our topic, but not going to give it away yet. All right. Yeah, well, welcome. This is Tuesday. This is your Tuesday edition, and I am Randy. And I am Mike. And, and together, we are the Dice Men of The, the dice. dice Are Screaming. That's right. So, uh, tomorrow, we're going to be doing a live cast, so join us for that. Perfect Storm Comics and Games of Battle Creek. Yeah, feel free to look us up uh, tomorrow on any of our various uh, outlets, be yep. it Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. It does not matter. We will probably, you know, be throwing links all over the place as soon as we get that in the can. Uh, but, yeah, our first ever live... The faces made for radio... Oh, no. ...are, are coming to the interwebs near you. <laughs> yeah, um, you were warned. You were the warned. government cheese of gaming uh, podcasts. <laughs> government cheese, well. <laughs> it's better than the colorectal exam. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. I uh, we little... moved up, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's something of a promotion. Okay, well. Uh, the 4 a.m. late night talk show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the not quite ready for not quite prime time. <laughs> Players. Podcast, yeah. <laughs> No, we're we, we kid, we kid. We uh, if anybody ever thinks this is a planned event, man, you just don't know us. But on but, that note, we but, do have a plan tonight. We have a topic. Yeah, and it's a topic we're both pretty comfortable with. Uh, this is this is one near and dear to our gamer hearts. One that uh, both of us, both of us got our our sea legs under us on this one. Oh yeah, and it's about fighters. That's right, the basic bitch of. D&D classes. The fighter. The pumpkin spice of D&D classes. But hey, you know what? It's number one for a reason, okay? Number one for a reason. That's right. Uh, one, right out of the gate, I mean, even in the earliest editions, it it's a simple proto-concept. The guy who hits stuff. Or yeah, you know, you, right. you are prepared for attack and defense. Uh, you got weapons and armor. And that's your gig. Uh, long before the advent of the video game, this was the uh, tank of any group. And the fighter certainly deserves a nod. So that's yeah, the episode. Gonna give, we're going to give the fighter their due tonight. And, uh, you know, the early days of D&D, uh, where we always start at the beginning, the white box set. Um, you know, they only had three classes in there. The fighting man. And uh, gals were called Amazons in this. Uh, kind of give them a nod there to a certain identity. But, uh, you know, uh, magic users and witches and uh, clerics or priestesses, as they were called. The fighter, or fighter, fighting man as it was, was uh, you had your three races. Human, elf. Well, we don't call it really humans a race because that was kind of the default, but... Yeah, human, you know, what are you a human? Uh, yeah, I'm just a human. What special abilities do you have? Um, none. <laughs> okay, and then uh, there was the dwarf and the elf and the halfling, our hobbit. And, uh, you know, they all had level limits, but they also came with greater uh, abilities. For instance, the dwarven fighting man, fighting lady, or dwarven female. I mean, we're still having that debate about, do dwarven females have beards? 
And uh, we're not going to touch that one at all. No. Um, we're just going to move on. Not even with a borrowed 10-foot pole. No, not going with that one. But, you know, we're just going to deal with the basic class on this one. And so, you know, the uh, non-human, the demo-human races had uh, different powers. They gave them uh, different abilities and a little bit different flavor. But the fighter, right out of the box, uh, was kind of, you know, had diet hit points. And had the best attack table. And, well... It started off with the worst saves, but uh, had the highest rate of progression in its saving throw categories. So this right there spelled out that the fighter was versatile, learned quickly, if you survived. <laughs> Steep learning curve on the yep. fighter class. It's, uh, oh, Boot Hill is filled with uh, first to third levelers. Yeah, you gotta survive that gauntlet. And so, <laughs> you know, a lot of people just like, oh, it's just a fighter. And then they would come out with subclasses like the Ranger and the Paladin. And... Yeah, those came a little later. But uh, this, you know, I mean, and no qualms whatsoever about mentioning the Ranger and the Paladin. Huh? No, but... we've covered the Paladin in a previous one and talked a little bit about the Ranger with our episode about melee versus missile uh, combat. But um, in any case, uh, the fighter was kind of cast in the mold of Conan and Bafford, and even the Grey Mouser, if you really want to break it down that way, too. Oh, and uh, many of the Knights of the Round Table. Yep. Uh, you know, non-paladinly ones, you know, like obviously not uh, the most paladinly of them all, but, uh, you know, the, the standard Knight of History, uh, you know, expected to maintain their arms and armor and to be at the ready. Uh, and honestly infinite variety being possible for fighters uh, with any kind of arms and armor. Uh, any cultural setting or background is appropriate, which, admittedly, universal, but hey, I, your creativity becomes the limit. Like, a fighter is so generic. Well, yeah, but, you know, what are you doing with them? I mean, you, you've been handed this toolkit and all the ingredients, and if, like, if... if it's like the Mr. Potato Head of character class. Yeah, exactly. Okay. You get the same kit, but where you go with it is up to you, and if you just make it look like the guy right on the outside of the box, uh, all right, that's on you, you know. I mean, it's a choice, but... Yeah, but a, a fighter could be molded in the form of a Spartan or Meridian. It could be a classical knight. It could also be... The noble a, samurai. A mercenary or Landeskinect or uh, any of the... Uh, oh, yeah, the Landeskinect. Yeah. Uh, you know, pirates uh, and corsairs, you know, with the uh, you know, lightweight armor and curved blades and, you know, yeah, throwing knives. Yeah, even to a legionnaire and a, a yeah, heavy footman or yeoman. Yeah, so any kind of historical background at all. I mean, it, it, the game really opened the, the gates and just said... Run wild with it. Be whatever kind of soldier you would like to be, uh, from whatever background you would like to be. Yeah. And they, they left the options in there for just about anything. So I, I actually respect that immensely. So the Mr. Potato Head of character classes. I like that. That's where we're going to go with that. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so you could put funny ears on him and a little hat, and, you know, he was one thing. Or, you know, you could put glasses on a mustache, and then he became something else. But, yeah. My but, helmet has horns on it. Oh, my helmet has a little scale thing running down the back of my neck and uh, that thing to prevent de sudden decapitation. Oh, yeah, the lobster tail. Yeah, you know, just, yeah, there, there's a little bit of customization in everybody's imagine imagination, and I encourage that. Uh, fighters do not have to be generic. Get a bad rap. Yeah, but Mike is right that 
pardon me, the only thing that you really had going for you was your um, particular choice of weapons and armor. And this is where the and, game started giving us some real perks. Yeah, and, you know, it went that way into first edition. Um, slowly it evolved to weapon specialization. And this made a lot of sense at the time. Yeah. Like a fighter spends all his time, you know, this is my one weapon, the two-handed sword. and I am going, my Zweihander, and I'm going to cleave down my enemies with it. Yep, you know, hey, great, you know, big two-handed sword fan here, but uh, it does have some disadvantages. But hey. Well, yeah, welcome to close combat uh, mm -hmm. by surprise. Yeah. Uh, you know, also uh, creatures that uh, respond better to blunt weaponry. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can limit yourself if you're playing a fighter by not making use of that really broad weapon space so that you got a little something on you for every occasion. And, you know, we kind of touched on that with... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, past, if you want to play even just like a mercenary crossbowman, it would but, behoove you to have a mace or a footman's pick, but, you know, slung over the back as well for those extra hard-to-reach monsters. And at least one missile weapon, which, uh, this is the joy of the fighter, is also right out of the gate, they had the widest array of weapon proficiencies. The yep. ability to pick up a multitude of weapons, you know, man of all occasions or, you know, woman of all trades, just, oh, you need somebody with the morning star to bash those skeletons to bits? I've got you covered. Oh, okay, uh, now you need somebody with a spear to stop that charging opponent. I got that too. Oh, hey, close combat, and we're toe-to-toe, -to -toe and this thing is crawling up me. I've still got daggers. You know, just, <laughs> is it hunkering on a ledge 50 feet above us? I got a bow. It just, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, not, and it's one of the things overlooked in the early editions is not all characters like the thieves and even rangers and paladins didn't have as many weapon proficiencies right out the gate as the others because it was assumed that although they had a good variety of weapons, they could choose almost anything. Yeah, their, their education still, involved things other than just weapons. So they didn't have as many. And the fighter was one who could basically right out first level know four basic weapons. And uh, depending on what you took with the others, you know, um, the weapon proficiency slots, as they were called back in the day, you know, Got like three, I think, for the paladin and ranger. Correct, and, and four. The, and the fighter. thief was really limited to just swords and uh, stabby and. Started off with two clubs. proficiencies, and uh, they were capped on weapons, uh, particularly with regard to the length of the weapon. Yeah, uh, anything beyond like three and a half feet, and they were really out of their element. Yeah, but uh, you could play kind of uh, a musketeer type swashbuckler. Uh, you could play, you know. Uh, really anything with your imagination with the fighter. The only thing that was a little hard initially with uh, kidding out a fighter was, well, if you didn't wear much armor, you didn't get, you know, your dexterity counted as much if you were in plate mail as it did in just in your skivvies. Yeah, and they eventually tabled that out uh, so that there was kind of a a ratio of dexterity loss versus the weight and size of the armor. So, yeah, where it was in first edition was more movement based. You know, the heavier the armor, you didn't move as as fast. But there was little other than a few other minor penalties like swimming. <clears throat> mm -hmm. uh, yeah, which uh, <laughs> some of your uh, less scrupulous DMs, <clears throat> both of us, <clears throat> yeah, uh, <laughs> frequently found ourselves placing characters in positions where. The weight of their armor was an enormous difficulty uh, crossing water. And 
you know, screwing with their means of conveyance yeah. was a popular choice for us. Uh, just, just to remind them not to take all that armor for granted. But that was the game we had, and you know, we didn't like dwell too much on it. But, however, no, I, I didn't pull that out of the bag. Every, no, every week that that we, was not the case. But uh, you know, armor types. It was always a race to play now. It was pretty much you know what you were going to try to get as much as you could, and then. Other classes, uh, subclasses in the Arnith Arcana, when uh, weapon specialization came out, were the Cavalier and the Barbarian, which the Cavalier kind of had a built-in weapon specialization, but with very specific choices in their first, secondary, and uh, tertiary weapons that they got a sort of specialization. Not as uh, right out the gate as fantastic, but it did get much better later on, especially with the lance and the sword. Yeah, you get to 7th rate level as a... Cavalier in that edition, uh, in that like 1.5 unearthed Arcana era, uh, you know, you get to mid rank as a Cavalier and you've got some hefty bonuses piling up in your favor. Not a bad, not a bad arrangement. Yeah, you just uh, had, you were just restricted. You just couldn't go like, hey, as a fighter, I can specialize with the Glaive Gisyarme. It's a Glaive Gisyarme. Like a pole arm with a little hooky thing on the back and <laughs> pull people off a horse. All right, that's enough. Yeah, Ned. <laughs> If you're dealing with a lot of enemy cavalry, not the not the worst choice ever, but uh, otherwise, yeah, yes, but just very odd. yeah, but you just you could specialize with literally anything you get your hands on. Master of the glaive, <laughs> master of the pan flute. <laughs> you are the Zampier of fighters. Yes, the undisputed master of an instrument nobody else plays. Uh. <laughs> However, the partisan and speedum, mm. very interesting weapons. Now, Rancior with the disarm. Oh yes, the disarmament uh, capability as was highlighted in the, the DM guide. Uh, yeah, I now, liked using a. Uh, well, not the DM guide, the uh, player handbook. They were, did they? Yeah, yeah. You could just make a disarm attempt with a uh, Rancior, which was kind of nice. But but yeah, unique weapons gave fighters unique, unusual abilities, uh, and the weapons were available to them that were not available to any of the other player characters. It, it was literally off the table. Yeah, barbarians, as much as uh, people complain about them, they were limited to their culture. You played a Viking type, you were going to basically have a broadsword, a spear, an axe, and maybe a brace of throwing uh, axes and a bow. And make the best use of that gigantic shield that you yeah. can. And, uh, you know, whether if you're playing like a... Uh, Wolf Nomad, you would have, you know, Lance and uh, Shortbow, and that's it. You know, and a, a Scimitar. Yeah, slashing weaponry for cavalry. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, the, the Light Lance to, you know, keep on moving fast. And probably just maybe nothing too much heavier than chainmail. Probably more likely to be with studded leather. Yeah, I don't, yeah, that was the other thing, too, is they also had armor types that they could use. So... Yeah, again, those two new subclasses uh, still spoke out. And again, we're talking about pounds and rangers. Rangers could be uh, specialized with not just a bow, but they could also take a sword. Oh, the dual on. weapon specialization yeah. for the ranger to give them a little bit of uh, meat and potatoes. because uh, Yeah, that was they... more second edition when they went that one. Thanks, Drizzt. But uh, yeah, Mike's right that they as they started to drift into Unearth Arcana, we had that nebulous time where new ideas were coming to the fore. And it, the game really kind of opened up, and as much as uh, people say that certain classes broke the game or whatnot, I also think that at the time it was a curious point where we went to a very structured and narrowly defined environment to one that kind of opened up options. 
Which I think, honestly, that trend continued. And I, I, that's actually yeah. the moment that gives us the, the transition point here for the arrival of the third and 3.5 editions. Yeah, second edition more or less carried on with more or less the same, although kits did add a lot to it. And uh, Yeah, it really backed up what originally was just supposed to be your imagination is the, the limit. Uh, and then they incorporated these little kits, these ideas, you know, like core concepts that people could riff on a lot easier than having to just, like, sit there and dream up something on their own. Right. Now, like, if you wanted to play a swashbuckler in second edition, you took the swashbuckler kit as a fighter, and as long as you maintained wearing lighter armor, you got an additional dexterity bonus. Yeah, which is nothing to scoff at. Yeah, uh, which made you on par, armor class-wise, with the traditional uh, plate and chain and sword and board worlding fighters. Which, again, this was a tough one uh, to break out of that really familiar uh, habit. Uh, early fighters were always slowly working their way towards yep, uh, plate mail and magic shield. You know, just and that's where everybody ended. Uh, kind of breaking out of that racket and having something unique and different was a pleasure. Yeah, and... Uh, also, uh, different armors uh, came out in 2nd edition, uh, partially from Oriental Adventures, but you had also the Samurai, which was, I believe, a kit as well. Yeah, I think we were right about 1.5 era when they were throwing out stuff like Hyde and... Oriori uh, and uh, uh, Lacquered Armor. Yeah. Bizanted Oh, jeez. Yeah, all right. Wow. Way to get super historically obscure. Yeah, Bizanted uh. Armor. Well, there was all of this stuff in the first 1.5 era and second edition era. And that third edition was a radical revamp. Uh, now, not just in terms of the mechanics of the game itself going to the uh, open gaming license and Die 20 system, but this dawned the era of feats, and feats have forever altered the concept of the fighter, uh, honestly for the better. The character class that was in the greatest danger of becoming a little stale and a little unwieldy, you know, past a certain level, you, you really weren't doing anything new. Mm -hmm. uh, the idea of graduated feats that make more and more heroic and fantastic acts plausible uh, that that was a big move forward for the fighter in my book. It reinvigorated the class. I mean, you know, there are some people who just like a mage because they like, love those crazy spell combos. All right, I cast grease on the hallway, and when they're all slipping and sliding, I light it on fire. I cast web, then burning hands. Ha ha! Take your saves now. Yeah, and so that was a lot of fun for some folks. Well, the fighter really didn't have anything like that. You just Past a certain point, without magical items, you didn't hit any harder or do any more damage. You were done. You had capped out, and this was... You became more likely to hit, but your real potential as a tank was already achieved. Yeah. Now, later editions, as we get to third and beyond, that reopened the debate here. That It, it was a game changer. Yeah, and like you said, it became more... Like a Mr. Potato Head, but this time, instead of just putting funny ears and eyeballs on it, <laughs> you got some real power out of this. Now, you know, obviously, you know, everybody remembers the power attack. This is... Math is hard. Cleave debates. But, hey, all right. 
for everything that gets included, when the game becomes comp, uh, when you add more options, it does add a certain amount of complexity. But again, you don't have to take it all at once. You know, these come in stages, and more to the point, it allowed a way to craft a fighter or character, even just normal characters with beats. Each one can be potentially different. Now, before, if we mentioned like you were playing like a. Uh, Roman legionnaire type versus a man-at-arms type, you now have the ability to not only just choose the different types of armor and weapons associated with that kind of concept, but now you can move it forward to actually represent the customization of those cultures and weapons in them. Close-in weapon fighting, tower shield specialization, things of that nature for close for order formation fighting and teamwork feats with the legionnaires oh, and the yeah. minions. And, and if you're lucky... You got a couple of player characters in on the same page on that one, and they yeah. start locking shields. We have just formed a shield wall. Welcome to partial cover. Yep. Uh, you know, just that, those concepts became a lot easier to embrace in later editions. Yeah, and you like, could always use the tower shields and mantlets in first edition. I've seen it done, but. Also, very good for carrying wounded player characters on. <laughs> yes. Nice to have one of those handy. Or as loot a, sleds. As a trevois, you know, just <laughs> drag it along behind the horse with a couple of chests of gold. Or a wounded PC you got to carry back to town. Yeah. Handy for all occasions. I love them. Yeah, we'll have to ask the Dungeon Brothers about their mantlet days. <laughs> um, but nonetheless, uh, yeah, you had feats, and some people hate them, some people love them. I thought it was a great idea, and a first... First incarnations of third were a little clumsy, but uh, they started to tighten down on it. And uh, by the time they got around to about 3.5 Pathfinder, it got uh, it was pretty well uh, sealed up. And the holes had been plugged in. It wasn't crazy. But one of the things <laughs> I liked right off the bat was power attack. You know, sacrificing your hit roll to do extra damage. Kind of that all or nothing approach in combat. And cleave as well. Yeah, you're either fighting for your life or you're fighting skillfully and with a traditional degree of calculation. And it could go either way. They provided for the ability to make the best use of lighter weight weapons mm -hmm. uh, using yep. precision instead a of brute force. brute force, which just, again, big leap forward for people who wanted a different idea of the fighter. And weapon specialization was also still carried through because it was such a great idea in first and second. You know, you had to keep with it. And it's all the way through fourth and into fifth. It has been one of the hallmarks of the fighter. But before we get too far into the morass of feats, and uh, yeah, they did get quite plentiful, but uh, you know, you didn't have to use all of them. Oh, yeah, I'm the first to admit that it went a little overboard as far as the ton yeah. of splat books out there. But again, uh, we'll fall back on our classic standard, which is DM fiat. You know, if there's something that you feel uncomfortable with at your table, like, ah, you know, this one just really blows up the game. Uh, and in my campaign, you know, I don't want to have to have the rest of the party face a 200 hit dice creature just because of one person with the perfect feat combo that delivers 800 points of damage per round. Yeah, nerf it. Exercise your DM authority. Yeah, you, you say know. this prestige class or whatever is not available at your table. Make the game your own, but also listen to your players. You know, don't completely lock, shut the door in their face like, ah, get out of here. Um... Make them part of the conversation as well. But, uh, yeah, an ode to the fighter is is that, and I'm just, you know, going to keep going with the data head combination, is that you can just keep <laughs> adding on infinite varieties to this and making it kind of your own class. 
Now, of course, it's based around martial prowess, but a fighter gets a lot of bonus feats, but they can only be applied to certain martial-themed feats, and that is the thing to keep in mind where they went with it in third, or throughout third, and all the way into fifth edition. Is that there are only when you get those bonus beats out of your class level, you just can't spend it on like I gain skill focus diplomacy. No, you're not going to get that. You got to use your normal class or feet picks that every class gets for those. Yeah, at some point or another, you must admit that you're a fighter. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't just use them all for you know, uh, skill focused underwater basket weaving and now uh, another noteworthy point uh, about the change in additions of the game was taking levels in various classes. Now this was a thing, and I'm going to be super candid about this, did not go over initially really well with me. Like, wait, anybody can be a, a one part anything and one part anything else? Ah, the whole world is ruined. This game is shot. Um, I mostly was repulsed by what I knew some gamers were capable of. Uh, I was not really repulsed so much by the idea but how I knew it would be abused. So, uh, as it turned out, as time went on, I began to see the value in it that a, a flexible uh, career path for uh, characters was both legitimate and semi-realistic in the sense that, you know, a person can really devote their time and energy to whatever they please at any given moment in their life. The idea of this super-defined career track. Well, I used to be a fighter, and then I, I took up casting a few spells, and, you know, now I'm, I, I never, you know, carry anything fighter-like on me at any time. Uh, no, your experiences in-game accumulate, and fusing them together is a little tricky still, but it opened a lot of options so that the person playing a fighter was not purely limited by fighter class issues. Well, yeah, and, you know, more to the point, that was something that was more of an add-on. I mean, you could always dual class and sort of speak. But yeah, you, take you a know. level of rogue, uh, which, you know, a very noteworthy thing, you know. Yeah, a lot of the demi-human races were known for their multi-class ability to simultaneously advance in two or maybe three classes if you're an elf, simultaneously. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of another thing there, but uh, I, I do believe that the fighter benefited a lot from just the inclusion of feats, and it started to make uh, the fighting style choices and other things that were put out in uh, some of the other more uh, martial combat-focused books uh, more viable to making a consistent fighter that continually grew and had a reason to keep leveling up rather than this, well, I guess I just, you know, I'm a nice little fighter, I might as well just start a castle and plan my retirement. <laughs> you know, Which is a waste of a good up. character. Uh you or know, the spindrift files. Uh, now, of course, you know, any degree of challenge can be issued by a DM. Uh, there are better tools now for raising the threat level and increasing yeah. the, the difficulty. Uh, so the, the fighter of yore that was once finding themselves not especially challenged, uh, now it's not so hard anymore. You, you can still throw things in front of a, a fighter that will make them blanch for a moment. <gasps> Oh, yeah, and, well, the, you know, Frog Emeth, uh, enough said. Dire Tarask, jeez, do I owe you money? Yeah, do I, Dire Tarask, I thought they're all dire. All right, I'll leave that joke alone. Uh, anyway, uh, so, 
nonetheless, whatever you have as uh, a class, you know, make it more than just Hub Joe the Fighter. What do you got? Spear, chainmail, the shield. You know, yeah, okay, milk toast. Yeah, it doesn't the, have to be sad. It doesn't have to be sad side time. If you if you make a fighter, uh, try to have a picture in your head ahead of time where they're going. Like Darren, the man at arms who has all the classical weapons of his land. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you really want to go generic, uh, then all right, focus on personality. Yeah, but <laughs> always like good old Darren. Never really get much chance to play that guy. Yeah, I like much. Yoru. Yeah, yeah. Ketite. Wielding the, you know, two-handed cavalry saber. Well, no, it just really big. The taller, yeah. Yeah. Uh, very large sword, very simple concept. But, oh, a menace to all. Especially his allies, when it came to throwing wishes. So. Uh, yeah, never let him near a wish. Uh, not blessed in the intelligence department. Sacrificed a lot to beef up that strength. Well... That brings us very close to our end here. Oh, but yeah, but... The homage know, to the fighter was well worth it. Yeah, hats off. Not Just don't sorry. play, uh, you know, Joe the fighter. Play, you know, Yoru or Durin. You know, an exciting and interesting character that's always a boon companion to be with and, you know, a versatile, skilled combatant in almost all forms of combat that appears in your dungeon, whether it's missile or it's close-up and personal. Yeah, and like we mentioned back in the beginning, one thing has not changed. Fighters, they got them hit points. They have them in spades. They are loaded for bear and ready for action. And if you want to play a character that uh, gets out in front of the party and, like, yeah, let me go soak up some wounds for you little, you know, uh, glass cannons in the back. Yeah, let the mages cling to their spell books and the rogues hide in shadows and the clerics offer prayers. You're the one who takes it right up into the front and takes it right in the face. Yeah, right, in the, right on the chin. Yeah. Right. But... It's a it's a classic for a reason. Pumpkin spice of uh, character classes it may be. Our but basic bitch. But it, it gets our homage. Oh yeah, where would we be without the fighting man? Yeah, arguably my my personal favorite uh, characters have usually been fighters. So, yeah. well, well, with that, we'll uh, bid you do. We have a uh, live cast tomorrow, so hope you all tune into that perfect store. Storm comic and games of Battle Creek. So, uh, yeah, right about uh, four o'clock, we should be doing that somewhere by five. It ought to be up all over the webs. All over. <laughs> all over the place. We'll be all over. All right. Well, with that, what did you do? And remember, may the dice, dice always roll in your favor. favor. We're out. See ya. <laughs>